Coming to you from our opulent and luxurious 4x8 refurbished broom closet at the National Headquarters in Indianapolis. With duct tape, studio lights, and a mic that you barely can hear, we hope to entertain and educate you. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. All right, hello and welcome to our inaugural episode of the Tango Alpha Lima podcast. Now, it's only inaugural in the sense that this will be our first one release, but we've been practicing since before the global pandemic turned us all into extras in Stephen King's The Stand. So hopefully this will go reasonably well. Uh, I hope anyone watching this is safe at home. And unlike me, your kids haven't driven you stark raving mad yet. Uh, I am Mark Seavey, the new media editor at the American Legion. I'll be your host for these podcasts alongside my capable and charming, intelligent and erudite co-hosts. Ashley will be joining us from Tango Alpha Lima uh, Outpost, Virginia, and Jeff's holding down our left flank in Hollywood, California. Uh, people who are uh, unhappy that the camera is way over my head, it's because I'm not seven feet tall and I got a huge computer here. I'll try to fix that next time. Um, as this is our first podcast, I thought it might be appropriate to tell a little bit about ourselves so that you can get a feel for, uh, for our backgrounds and where we come from. Why don't we start with you, Ashley? Absolutely. So welcome all. I'm very excited to be here. So Ashley Gorbolja Meldonado, I promise you there is only one of me. So I served in the Ohio Army National Guard for eight years. I just got out of service in November of 2019, so I'm very fresh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed uh, graduate of the DD-214 alumni, right? So served eight years. I did military police work, uh, was inline staff sergeant, so been there, done that is what I tell folks. Um, let's see. Oh. What else do I do? I do so many things. So I am also a marketing specialist for the Veterans Benefit Administration. I am the founder of Guide on Education Consulting, and I'm also the co-founder of Brave Women Serve, which is an educational platform to highlight women veterans. Uh, additionally, I have been on panels, podcasts, um, publications. I've been recognized for different achievements across the board. I am a very, very proud American legionnaire, if you shall. Uh, seven years strong. I have been a past commander at the University of Akron's post 808, or excuse me, 808, where I helped uh, that inaugural post uh, create and engage, educate, and employ to really interact with the post 9/11 generation. A um, little bit about my education background. I hail from Ohio, so if you haven't caught on to that, I know Mr. Daly here shortly is going to give me a hard time about that. Um, I come from Northeast Ohio, so not OSU, but still a fan, right? So I went to University of Akron, and I was able to obtain two of my undergraduate degrees, organizational supervision, as well as um, a science of education with minor in psych. And then I went on to the Contortium of Eastern Ohio Public Health through Neomed. And I got my master's in public health, studying military, family program policies, and community wellness. So right now, of course, with everything going on in the world, this is kind of my bread and butter. And I also hold a communications background. So those are just kind of all the things I've done. I'm very excited to be here and to have these awesome conversations about our military community with you. Great. Well, my bread and butter is bread and butter, but to each their own. <laughs> I'm all about the food. <laughs> you know, that's the way to my heart. You know, my husband will be the first one to tell you anytime I'm mad, he'll be like, you want me to start the oven 350, 14 minutes for your cookies? I'm like, yes, absolutely. 
I measure my stress by food. It's chicken wings, mac and cheese, cookies. So we're at a cookie, we're at a threat level cookie right now. That's a good food pyramid right there. Right? All of the essentials. Uh, All right, Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself. I I hail from the Superior State of Michigan, and and I joined this Superior branch of the United States Marine Corps, got out and, uh, you know, did college, economics, political science, whatever. Moved to Chicago briefly, did Second City there, and now I'm in Los Angeles, proud member of Hollywood Post 43. Yes. I'll let you think on that one for a second. It's that amazing. And uh, I do a lot of things in the the vet community. I'm not going to go into all of them, but I will say right now, uh, being quarantined, I am sitting here on my bed. It's comfortable and focused, and I feel a little bit naughty. Uh, so we're going to try to keep it PG level here today, and I'll leave it to you to decide whether I'm wearing pants or not. I was just going to I was going to go with SpongeBob boxers, but that's just a guess. Fun socks. Nope. All right. Uh, like I said, my name is Mark Seavey. I'm a former infantryman, uh, most recently with the Virginia Guard, but I did time active duty and in the reserves. I did a deployments to Bosnia in ninety seven ninety eight in Afghanistan in 0405, where I served as company RTO, and then later as a squad leader. I received my undergraduate degree from the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, and I got my law degree from Antonin Scalia Law School at George Mason University in Virginia. Uh, I'm originally from Massachusetts, which is why I have my my friend, my former <laughs> friend, who's now moved south for the winter, I guess. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I live here in Indianapolis with my wife, who is the USO greeter at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. So if you ever deployed through there or redeployed through there, you probably met my wife. She was one of the first people greeting you. And I've been at the Legion now since 97, so I guess, what, 23 years, minus the time, obviously, I spent in Afghanistan. Um, and I'm a member of Matthews Post in Virginia. Uh and let's see, I, uh, I golf poorly. I watch far too many cartoons and I listen to Celtic punk music every chance I get. So you might get some of that later uh, later today. So with that out of the way, each of our shows is going to follow sort of a certain format, uh, each highlighted by basically four rounds of topics. The first three will be prefaced by one of us, while the last round will be sort of a rapid fire reaction to some of the timely news in the veterans sphere. So. We're going to start here with a story that, that frankly, kind of fascinated me. Uh, and I'll let you decide if this guy is immoral, amoral, or if he's moral. That would be a hard stretch. But Airman attempts to corner the market on hand sanitizer and ends up taking a bath. That's my title, not not the one from the Business Insider that wrote the story. But it said, uh, it takes a unique perspective to witness the suffering of innocent people and think, how can I turn this into a profitable enterprise? That's where Matt Colvin comes in. The 36-year-old former Air Force tech sergeant has in the past turned an annual profit that has reportedly exceeded $100,000 while buying and selling trendy items at significant markup prices. So when Matt and his brother Noah caught wind of the first coronavirus-related fatality in the United States, they got to work hitting up every store in the vicinity of their Chattanooga, Tennessee home and leaving in their wake barren shelves that used to hold products vital to those in need. So this guy was going around, he drove around all of Tennessee and all of Kentucky buying up hand sanitizer, which he then marked up between two and 400 percent 
and sold on eBay and other places. Now, I've done that in World of Warcraft, but I never for a single second considered doing this in a real life. What do you guys think about Matt Colvin? Ashley, we'll start with you. Okay, so I'm an entrepreneur, right? But I have a problem with just the scarcity and creating panic. Sorry, I'm like trying to turn this light on here. Um, I'm just a little overwhelmed in the fact like they went to such lengths and to completely wipe out like what that does from like a, a public health like crisis standpoint is it just stirs everyone. It makes everyone paranoid. Like I have an ethical problem with taking essential items in crisis and flipping them for a profit. And it was interesting because as I was reading this, like, I'm glad to see that, like, folks finally, like, caught on. Because I saw this picture and I was like, man, like, that's insane. Like, he has just racks upon racks. Like, it reminds me of going into your supply sergeant area and there's just stuff everywhere. And this right. picture that was posted on, uh, that was, like, it's been retweeted a lot, I'm sure, through Twitter. But I was like, that's crazy. Like, I remember as, a, as an NCO, every time I wanted toilet paper or if I wanted like hand stuff, I had to sign a hand receipt, okay, to go and get those things because I knew I had soldiers who would just like go in and they would just grab everything and we would like leave it behind every time we cleared a barracks. Yeah. But like to see something like this where I know that there is a national need, like I go to my local giant and there was like no chicken, there's no toilet paper, there's no paper products, like what that does is it creates panic and it upsets me from a public health standpoint because it creates unnecessary panic and it creates an uneven distribution of um, supply and demand. And for someone to take advantage of that from an entrepreneur's standpoint, it's like kind of not really mad, like Ron Burgundy style, but also like from an ethics standpoint right. from like public health, I'm like, no, no go, bro. You're a no go. Like well, I, at, go at away. At some point, these <laughs> two guys had to be sitting in a room and they're like, you know, what's a good idea. We should corner the market on hand sanitizer. And there was literally no one there to say, bro, that's a horrible idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> where were the battle buddies at on that one? Because I remember being in basic training and it was either like you were having cough drops or you were like trying to put hand sanitizer on your eyes. And I remember they got rid of both of those things. I'm serious. Yeah, that was that was 2012. OK, when I went through basic training, I was like what the hell are you guys doing? Like, so they would eat cough drops and then, cause you couldn't have any candy. Right. And then they would put like hand sanitizer underneath their eyes to stay awake. Like those are my fondest memories of products that have been used out of terms while in service. So when I see stuff like this, I'm like, Oh man, where, where was, where was the Jiminy cricket on the shoulder on this one? Where was the battle buddy check? Like, mm, not a great idea guy. Well, you got Jeff. Hi, Mark. I'm an entrepreneur myself, but this dude seems more like an entrepreneur. He is so full of it, and uh, the mere fact of of it's not it's not supply and demand because we're in a state of emergency. We have what's called a market interrupter, right? So right now, the the supply and demand charts are are off the chart, and it's not about it's not about um, an equitable market negotiation between consumer and producer. And this guy is creating unnatural gaps in it. And he's, and he's, um, unfortunately, you can't Purell the soul. So this dude is, That's he's a good got, one. I like that. You can't Purell got, the soul. Can we get a direct you can't quote? Purell the soul. He's done. He's just, he's a, he's a sad human being. And, 
hopefully, I, I did hear that he had to donate some of these things, and but at the same time, they're still prosecuting him for yeah, that price gouging. They, they shut him down, so he's not able to sell it anymore. But this guy is definitely going to win our inaugural Blue Falcon Award. Uh, he, womp, womp. He, yeah, he he is he's the winner. So, all right, Jeff, what do you got for us today? I don't know if I don't know if you guys knew. Well, you probably knew, Mark, because you wrote the script. But uh, today is the National Medal of Honor Day, and. Uh, we don't have anything from the White House yet, so we're going to jump right into figuring out who everyone's favorite Medal of Honor story or recipient is. Let's start with you, Mr. C.V. Well, actually, I don't know who Ashley had chosen, so I've, I got a couple of them. I, Jeff and I had talked beforehand, and he had said that he didn't want to pick anybody he knew uh, because he didn't want to show favorites, and I was sort of in a quandary last night because I've got three friends that are Medal of Honor recipients and I didn't feel comfortable picking one of the three, but I'm going to because one of them actually texted me last night. So <laughs> my favorite, I'm going to have to go with David Bellavia. And if you don't know David Bellavia, and if you've never uh, had a chance to read his citation or um, in particular, if you get a chance, pull up David Bellavia's speech at the home of heroes uh, at the Pentagon. It was the most amazing speech I've ever been at. I usually don't stick around. I go to all the Medal of Honor ceremonies. I don't usually stick around for the speech the next day. But David told me the night before, he's like, don't leave on this one. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say some things you're gonna wanna hear. And it is absolutely the best speech I've ever heard. So if you get a chance, uh, go ahead and listen to that. Um, but for those who don't know uh, about Bellavia. He was a staff sergeant in Iraq with the 1st Infantry Division, and he was in the Battle of Fallujah, and his men got pinned down, and uh, they were taking fire from literally five meters away, uh, and the enemy was shooting through the walls of a house that they were trying to go into, and so David ordered all his men to go to back up because it was just a small doorway, and then he went in on his own, uh, completely unaided by anyone else. And uh, in the process, he cleared the building, uh, killing five insurgents, uh, the last one in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And if you ever get a chance, there's a video on Netflix. And for the life of me, I can't remember what it is, but it actually shows the live video of Bellavia as he goes into the building and when he comes out. And it is the craziest thing you've ever seen. So if you punch Bellavia into Netflix, you'll get the video. Um, but he's uh, not just the most badass dude I've ever seen, met, or heard. He's absolutely the funniest human being that's ever walked the planet. And again, if you get a chance to watch his speech before the Home of Heroes, it's unbelievable. And you'll understand why he's so beloved by those of us that, uh, that know him. So, uh, Ashley, on to you. All right. So I'm going to talk about, by far, my favorite Medal of Honor recipient. And I, too, I have you know, several Medal of Honor recipients who are alive and well, but I wanted to honor specifically with Women's History Month, um, a, a woman who is the only female Medal of Honor recipient. That's Dr. Mary Walker. So for those who don't know who Dr. Mary Walker is, believe it or not, um, so she she went 
Bible college. She was incredibly gifted. Um, so like, this is like 1855. She graduated from medical school. Okay. So I just want you to like, think about time frame here. So Mary goes on, uh, civil war breaks out in what, 1861. And she wants to join the army as a surgeon, but she wasn't allowed because she just happened to be a woman, even though being incredibly talented. Um, so because of her credentials, you know, she didn't want to be a nurse either. So she chose to volunteer in the union army. So moving forward, you know, helping whoever she could, uh, Walker had worked uh, for free in temporary hospitals. So she uh, was set up at the U.S. Patent Office in D.C., believe it or not. Um, and she organized the Women's Relief Organization to help families of uh, wounded who came back to visit them for local hospitals. She had moved to Virginia since like 1862 or so. Um, and she was helping wounded soldiers out in the field. So with her medical credentials, she ended up moving um, to Tennessee, where she was appointed the War Department Surgeon. So think about that. So she was told that she was not qualified, but despite being incredibly talented, she got in front of the right people. Um, and her position was paid, believe it or not. So the War Department Surgeon, she was paid. So that was like the equivalent to a lieutenant or a captain. So moving forward, like 1864, she is held as a prisoner of war by the South. So she's a prisoner of war, she's a surgeon, she is a volunteer, but she is not given all of the same like recognition because she just happens to be a woman. So she ends up doing all of this a crazy exchange and prisoner of war swap with like com uh, Confederate medical officers um, and just a remarkable woman. And she continues to render aid regardless of Union or Confederate. Yeah. So with all of her wartime efforts, she ended up being incredibly outspoken advocate for women's rights. Very naturally, right? There were um, some very, like, at the time, risky photos of her, like, wearing pants. Like, that was unheard of. So she was incredibly progressive. And for those of you who aren't aware, it is the 100th anniversary for the women's suffrage movement this month, Women's History Month. And her being the only Medal of Honor recipient. So what's interesting about this is her Medal of Honor controversy so in like 1865 she left government service for good walker was awarded the medal of honor by president andrew johnson even though she was a civilian who had never been a commissioned officer or in military service um she was awarded uh she was awarded the medal of honor and it ended up being rescinded in 1917 just two years before she died it was crazy and it um i believe it was like 910 or 905 other folks who were awarded because the Medal of Honor at that time in the Civil War didn't hold the same um, the same credential, if that makes right. sense. Like it was still incredibly yep. high honor, but there wasn't other awards, if that makes sense. And then 60 years later, President Jimmy Carter restored the honor of her name and thanked her efforts made by her family. Um, so if you've ever been to the Women in uh, Military Service for America Memorial in Arlington, Virginia, they have a whole like little niched out area where it's dedicated to Dr. Mary Walker. And they have like her walking stick. They've got photos of her and they have uh, legitimate documents. Um, she, of course, being super progressive, she's like, I'm not giving this medal back. Heck no, no way. Like she she earned it. She was, you know, she's an incredible woman. And I just want to take the opportunity to recognize that women have been serving our country, whether they've been recognized or not. And in lieu, of course, with Women's History Month and all of the above, I thought it was incredibly appropriate to um, have a conversation about Dr. Mary Walker. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Jeff, nice, nice to see you again there. We hey, lost I see. you for a second. 
I don't know what happened. Everything froze up, but I'm back. And uh, you guys did your turn. So I will say, I will repeat again. We've had several come through our post and been uh, fortunate enough to have conversations and, and I'm not choosing any of those. I chose one from the Netflix series. Um, it actually came down to three. There's only one Marine in the series. But I already expected great things from any Marine. Then there was uh, there was another dark green hero, but I I just was something about this guy, this Vito Bertoldo. This was this was a young man who was so skinny and frail, so such poor eyesight they wouldn't even draft him. Like they just they like we don't want you. So he had to he had to persist and enlist on his own and. They put him on stateside only, limited duty. And he begged to go to infantry school so he could go over there. And they, they put him in infantry unit, but they made him a cook. And the only reason he got out to the field was because he didn't get along with his mess chief. And when they said, we need four people from every company, he got voluntold to put on this mission that was, that was to stay behind and keep the enemy at bay while they retreated. This is a skinny blind cook and the first time the germans came to get him get them uh they killed with a fake a fake surrender they killed all of his teammates they had they had their hands up but they they had put a weapon here so that when they got close they pulled out the handguns and killed all of his all the people that he was with so he's by himself and he held them off for like four days i mean this is they brought tanks in they brought they brought everything they could bring to this guy, and he survived that. Yeah. He survived that on his own for an army that wanted nothing to do with him. And and later he he got an even more satisfying mission as his unit was the first one at, at Dachau, liberating thirty thousand prisoners. And he I believe he got his Medal of Honor a year after getting home. So what? It's the underdog thing and the the person that you least expect and and all of the other people that i had I had seen, they were all, you know, just amazing people. Everyone's like, yeah, you're so amazing. And, and this guy, he never would have thought in a million years would have been the one to do it. And but like someone on the thing said, tough. We have this thing about uh, tough, meaning big, muscular, and has all these uh, things, but the guy said tough really basically means you don't give up. Yeah. And this guy never gave up. And someone else said that once you've resigned to the fact that you're in a situation where you're probably not going to live, it frees, it frees something in you that lets you do really courageous things if you don't freeze. And he didn't freeze. So Vito Bertoldo was my, uh, was my selection for this version of my favorite Medal of Honor recipient. And I would say he was probably the best one on that Netflix series. The, the Netflix series was unbelievable, but his in particular was just amazing. Like when we say he was alone, I mean, he was literally alone for like three days and he had, he had built like sort of a little fort out of rubble. And so he had just a little firing window. He was kind of laying in the middle of the street, just a crazy, crazy, crazy story. Uh, for a guy who could barely see to the end of the block, just amazing. So, and his glasses broke. And his glasses broke. Yeah, At the end of it. Yep. 
I would be totally like Velma in that situation. My glasses, jinkies. Like I, I was waved into service for my eyeballs. Like I so had was negative I. 10, like really bad eyesight. Yeah. My entire life, like I've only been able to see like this far in front of my face. So yeah. I remember I waited several months. And they were like, oh, you'll get in. It's correctable. And I was like, I hope so. But I can't even imagine like your glasses breaking, like just gosh, that's incredible. Yeah. Those are those are the folks that inspire. They really do. All right, Ashley, you are up for round three here. What do you got for us? Okay, so as we know, most of the country is on lockdown, and um, we're pretty much doing a, a tactical pause on life. And, you know, I know this is, of course, everyone's doing their their buddy checks in the past two weeks, and I really just kind of wanted to talk about, you know, whether or not, you know, with, if there are challenges that our, our veterans and our military families are facing and, like, how we can help each other cope and just kind of using, like, social mo uh, mechanisms. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is I, having my public health background and, um, you know, just with everything with coronavirus, uh, I wanted to talk about, like, managing anxiety and stress and stress and coping. Um, I know from my own experiences, you know, my husband is at a military school right now, so a lot of people are asking me, like, oh, Ashley, how are you doing? And I'm just like, I'm great. <laughs> I love being at home just with my dogs. Like I'm a total ambivert. Like I can thrive in both situations, but the fact that I can't use my public gym in my own apartment that I overpay for, or I can't use the dog park to go up and let my animals out, like little things like that, those micro stressors, like those are all compounding and everyone deals with stress differently. And can I we think just stop for a second to note that she used the word ambivert. I yeah. have never heard that for it. That is awesome. Seriously. And that's I am an the best of both worlds. I thrive by myself hurt. and I thrive with people. I'm a social butterfly. I don't I don't stay, you know, sitting for long, but like when I want to, I will hibernate. I will cocoon up with my sweatpants, <laughs> with my dogs. Like, I, I, I need that time to recharge. And I think that's important. And I think a lot of folks are kind of doing some self-reflection right now, especially with everything that's going on. It's like, man, do I actually have hobbies or do I just work? Oh, man, do my kids really annoy me that much? Oh, man, my dogs are really needy. Or, you know what I mean? Like, we're doing all of this self-reflection. And I think it's really important, especially in the veteran community. And social media is playing a big part. Um, my, you know, my background is marketing specialists. And, um, you know, between communication, social media platform management, there are a lot of groups out there that are taking that tactical pause and they're having conversations because everyone is social, you know, quarantined, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm in Washington, DC and I can tell you it is a weird occurrence when it's like five, six o'clock and there is just no traffic. Like that is not a thing here, right? So like most of the federal agencies have poured out, like I myself am teleworking. So I'm working from home. I'm lucky if I get on a call with like maybe like twice a week now with my whole team, it's different. And I only live in like a, a thousand foot square foot apartment. Like I, I can only walk back and forth so many times. Luckily I have a patio, but that's not the case for everybody. So some of the things I wanted to talk about, um, especially with, you know, uh, the stress of, of crises, right? I know that there has been information put out, especially with the battle buddy checks and really kind of having um, just uh, reflecting on some of our, our older veterans who fall within a potentially chronic disease or are at higher risk for contracting um, COVID-19. So 
that, you know, our children, teens, people who are helping with the response. So like our doctors, our healthcare providers, uh, you know, if, if we have folks like in, in our lives that are responders, that are uh, of, of elder age, that are, you know, at risk for this, if we've got kids, if we've got animals, like we need to just all be looking out for each other. And I know that we continue to do the battle buddy check, but, you know, stress during infectious disease outbreak, like, you know, fear and worry will consume you. I have always told, and I'm a big mental health advocate. I openly, it, I'm sorry, my, my dog, Elliot, she's being very needy right now. <laughs> um, so I have two, they're just like running around like crazies in here. They can't go to the dog park, but I digress. So, you know, stress during infectious disease, out, disease outbreak. So the fear and worry, uh, I'm a proponent for mental health advocate. I myself openly like struggle with depression, and anxiety. Like I might be a super high achiever, but you know, those things are, those are the things I have to deal with. So like knowing that I'm an ambivert, having that self-reflection, um, looking for example, um, so for fear and worry, you know, you can't beat an enemy with an outpost in your head. So like being positive, you know, FaceTiming your friends and family, like my sister-in-law just gave birth over the weekend and none of the family could go to the hospital. Like things are different. So difficulty sleeping or concentrating, you know, worsening chronic health problems, like, you, you know, we have to stay positive um also being cognizant of like reducing like alcohol tobacco and like other other drugs during this time period too especially with like social isolation um those are just like some of the big things so like things to support yourself so like taking breaks like watch a show read listen to news stories you know call your friends like if this is the time to like reconnect and bring back the phone calls this is it <laughs> like this is it people um, you know, take care of your body, like deep breaths, like meditate. If you're into yoga, try to eat well-balanced meals. I know some people, especially when I've been to Walmart and other folks, like I've watched like a lot of junk food go into some of these cards and I'm just like, oh my God, they're going to hibernate and they're going to wake up and they're going to be like, I can't fit in my pants. Like be cognizant of that. Um, you know, make sure you're taking time to unwind, connect with others, um, and just talk with people you trust about your concerns and how you're feeling. So those are just some of the things that I wanted to talk about, um, regarding like reducing stress in your, stress in your lives with yourself and others. And, you know, taking that time to check in on your battle buddies, some of our more vulnerable populations, but ultimately like know thyself and, um, take action where need be and just be supportive in this time. The only thing I have, give me a topic. This is going to happen. The only thing I have to add is uh, whatever you do, don't drink aquarium cleaner uh, like those people in California yesterday. I don't know if you had seen that story, what? but yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, the, uh, the president was talking about that anti-malarial drug and it turns out it has the same base as some sort of aquarium cleaner. And these people just decided, even though they were asymptomatic, they drank the aquarium cleaner. So, yeah, don't do that. Uh, but I will say, as far as buddy checks, I've probably gotten more phone calls and text messages in the last two days. Um, and I'm not an ambivert. I, I would uh, I would really love to live in a tiny log cabin in the wilderness. Uh, but, I mean, it is kind of nice that people are checking on me. But, you know, computer games and Netflix and trying to stay sane with my kids is about it for me. Jeff, what do you got? You've uh, been de decorating your walls. Is that what you're doing here? <laughs> Let's go work on that. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's in it's an interesting time, and it's it. I know at our post we we've taken on the buddy check, and I think we've called every member that's Vietnam era and previous, um, just to make sure that everything's going okay for them. 
uh, and if we need to to try to help, it's it's and you know actually before I forget, you brought up that not drinking the aquarium cleaner unless you are that entrepreneur dude hoarding all the hand sanitizers, then please, right. you know, taste test it for us. <laughs> anyway, so for I watched, I am watching so many uh, Netflix things, but I, I also think it's a time for people maybe to double down and, and do some, something productive during this time. So uh, I'm getting super creative. It took me, it took me, We've been in this like a week. It took me a week to get there, but now I'm ready to, you know, to start getting some of those writing things done and some self-production shooting things. It's which is weird when you have to do a cast and crew of one, like Vito Bertoldo, just me. So, um, I'm looking forward to the Jeff Daly one-man show personally. Oh, oh, I yes. I know that you are. I know yeah. that you. Yeah, and you'll see what Michigan capable of. <laughs> so that's basically it and i i appreciate uh some of the things ashley said there and especially because people forget stress lowers your immunity mm-hmm. so i mean you gotta chill out yeah quit storming the, chill, right? the grocery stores and, and buying unnecessary toilet paper the cdc should just tell people you just gotta chill out and wash your hands right Boom. and and don't drink aquarium cleaner because I don't want that coming up again. All right, let's go to rapid fire. Now, I had sent some uh, rapid fire ones to you guys to give you the heads up, but I, I'm going to uh, switch the first one here from the Navy. And this is from Business Insider, and I'm not even going to really go into the story story here, but the title of the story is, is uh, Toilets on the Navy's Newest Aircraft Carriers Clog Frequently and Fixing Them Cost $400,000 a Flush. Jeff, do you want to address what's going on on aircraft carriers that they are plugging the toilet uh, within like weeks of these things being sent out there? I think it's, I think it's, it's kind of hard for me to believe that the government would literally flush money down the toilet. <laughs> also, at the, same time, I, at the same time, I'm sure I could take them to Home Depot and replace that toilet for a lot less than four hundred thousand dollars and then they would maybe not have the problem again and perhaps maybe they should install bidet and give them that give those sailors that that warm gushy air force feeling and then they won't be flushing anything paper down these toilets and it'll cost and i think bidets cost a lot less than four hundred thousand dollars i would hope so you know in my army time um, we, you know, when we're out in the field, it's, it's porta johns like all the way. Like I right. remember being out in training, it would just be like four toilets, snow walls, have fun, right? So like, if anyone threw garbage down those, like the, I remember the range control, they would come out and they'd be like, you gotta, you gotta like clean it, you gotta. Oh my god, it was probably like I had soldiers who would try and like throw cigarette buds and like their spitters and stuff in there, and like it was just a bad day, like. Army have no luxury. Like we can't get away with throwing stuff like that. Oh, yeah. gosh, yeah. that's oh. All right, yeah. Jeff, uh, we're gonna go to you first on the second one too because this is a this is a great one. But the Marine Corps Times is reporting that uh, in a story, better have a fresh haircut, Marines. The barber shops across the Corps are still running. So COVID nineteen or no COVID nineteen, you got to have a fresh haircut. 
what say you? Do we uh, think we ought to temporarily uh, suspend whatever the Marine Corps version of AR 670-1 is? Well, when when you when you sent this one and it said Marine Corps, I said, of course it is. They just they just mm-hmm. don't care. There's no excuses for anything. In fact, me right now, uh, when they said the barber shops are being closed here in in Southern California, I just went and shaved everything. I left my eyebrows, but other than my eyebrows, I just shaved everything because I'm not going to be unkempt. It's weird. Straight Mr. Clean. Yep. They're so obsessive (laughs) about the rules, which I think is ridiculous, but I still follow them. I, I, since I got out of the army, what, 15 years ago to this day, I have still never carried an umbrella. And no. as long as I live, I will never carry an umbrella. And it's just because it was in a now, obviously, the beard, I'm not a Sikh. And, uh, you know, I don't have a, uh, a shaving profile or anything. But as far as the uh, carrying umbrella, that is never going to happen. I can't get away from it. Ashley, you got anything on the Marines having to shave? You know, so considering like my husband is is at a military school right now, like he's still getting fresh haircuts. Like there are just services and things that just have to carry on and it's just tradition. Like I don't I don't know, like I know there's a lot of like stuff going on, like, oh, you know, younger folks are, you know, heeding warning to all the coronavirus and they're not doing social distancing and like there's just a part of us for like like this is my job, this is my professional, like this is who I am. And like, if that means you get a fresh haircut every week, like that's what you do. Like, I know my husband's doing the same thing. Like I went out and got my nails done like last week. I was like, I don't care. I was like, if I die, I'm dying beautiful. Like I can do that now. Like I can have a French manicure. Like I can do feminine things now out of service. Like, so I guess to, to each his own, I mean, for the Marine Corps, like, you know, you guys have a very like, um, unique culture and like that that doesn't surprise me and for any other military folks that are still having to put their uniform on or they're still teleworking like i know my husband wakes up every morning he's like he's a two a day shaver and he still be like baby facing it so all right let's do one more we'll go to the air force to the opposite end of the spectrum from the air force times the air force delays fitness assessment testing thanks to covid19 Anyone at all surprised that the Air Force has suspended PT in the wake of a global pandemic? No, not at all. Like, my husband literally just ran four miles this morning for and, like, was helping soldiers pass, like, this run today. Like, there is no stopping. But at, at any accord, like, to see that the Air Force said, we're going to stop all sweating, exertion, like, it just... No discredit to my Air Force. Y'all are wonderful. But it's I come from an army route. Like it doesn't does not compute. Does not compute. Like so they delayed so they delayed the physical fitness testing, correct? Right. Um so I I it's the Air Force. I just I assume they delayed the physical fitness testing to give people a chance to have time to become physically fit to test. I don't necessarily believe it has anything to do with COVID-19. I think it probably just has Good more timing. to do with the Air Force has other priorities. Now, okay. now are they stopping are they stopping written tests? I would be curious. You still are they stopping spa day? I mean, I I would just love to know the extent of the things that they're delaying 
in the name of COVID-19, if it has anything, if there's anything other than the physical fitness test. I'm going to go on the record. I love it. I love the Air Force. I love their, uh, they're just like, you know what? It's day ending in a while. Let's postpone that PT test. I love it. Love everything about it. <laughs> to this day, I kind of, I kind of wish I had gone to the Air Force, but so it goes. Like, that's All right, crazy. Well, that's, like, I just, just inter, uh, interject really quick. Um, like, you know, I, I briefly mentioned before they closed my gym that I'm overpaying for at my apartment, right? So I can't use public spaces. So I was like, well, they can't stop me from using the emergency stairwell. So I'm literally just like taking steps with like ankle weights and just like in a sweatsuit, just going up like 12 flights. I'm like, well, if I can't use a treadmill, I'm going to just, I'm going to just, I guess, Corona up this, uh, this stairwell here. Cause it is what it is. Like that's part of like, again, it's my route. Like it makes no sense. Like I see no, there is no stoppage. There are just obstacles and I hurdle over them. I went out and rucked the other day. Uh, and, uh, it, it, it always feels good for me to get the ruck on and it's more than physical for me. It's just sort of my mental happy place to get out there and, and to walk, but uh, to defend the air force, I'm sure that there's some of those, uh, the, there's some uh, high speed folks still working oh, out. I'm there sure are some, there are the, uh, combat controllers and the, uh, the, uh, call for fire guys. I don't know why the name's escaping me, but the JTACs, the, mm, the, yeah. And the TAC P's, those guys are still out there doing stud things every day. But uh, I just, I love the, uh, you know, you talk about the culture of the Marine Corps and you got to have a haircut. I yeah. mean, the Air Force has got their culture too. And it's, yeah. you know, we're going to shut down a PT test before the golf course. And personally, I'm 100% for it. And, and <laughs> so. if I could, I know that um, we always like kind of like do this umbrella generalization of like military leadership. And I know for anyone who's a Harry Potter fan, um, so we'll go pulp culture reference here. So uh, when Harry Potter goes to the sorting hat, right? Like I always think folks are drawn to different branches for different reasons. It's kind of like the sorting hat figuring out like, are you Hufflepuff? Are you Gryffindor? Are you Slytherin? Right. And each of them are respectfully like our branches. So whether our personality or attributes, we're drawn to something like there are some folks who walk into a Marine office and they like a Marine recruiter's office and they never look back. And they're like, I want to be a Marine. Therefore I am a Marine. Right. Or there's other folks who like, are like, Oh, you know what? I just, I joined the Navy. Like, there are different personality types, right? And then each of those different houses, right, or different branches respectfully have their own leadership types. So what happens is we become siloed through those leadership funnels and we all come out and we have different things. And I know that there's this, um, there's this analogy where uh, each branch is given a task to guard a building. And like, so the army like shows up first or something like that. Right. And like, they like cordon the area, they secure the building, they're waiting, they've got their sectors of fire, you know, um, Marines show up, they get in there and they just like destroy the inside of it. They just rough and tough. They go through and they clear that building. There's not like anything left. Right. Um, Navy shows up, they do like their safety point inspection. They turn off the lights. Good to go. And then, you know, the Air Force shows up and they're just like, hey, cool, awesome. Well, we bought the property, so we're good. So let's go make tea time, right? So, and then the Coast Guard finally shows up and then they're like, well, we're here, right? So like, it's this fun analogy, but like each of us have and come from these different leadership, these different cultures, which is so awesome because when we do get together, we have this fun camaraderie amongst ourselves, but the leadership is different. So every time, like I see these different stories and we talk about that culture, I think of that example. I think of 
all of the branches trying to solve the same problem, but we all do it differently. And I think that's what's so important, especially when we're having conversations at large to the community that doesn't have a connection to that 1%. It's like our leadership styles are a little bit different, but we all can come together uh, and just as, as so much so with the, uh, the epidemic or pandemic, excuse me, epidemic, pandemic. Um, but yeah, sorry, I got on a little tangent there, no, but I thought good. it was a good plug. It's a good, it's important. Oh, it's, ra it's rapid fire. And and every and every everyone out there who uh, hasn't been able to bet on sports, but instead bet on whether there'd be a Harry Potter reference in our inaugural episode of the Tangle Alpha Lima podcast. Yay! You can cash in your ticket now. <laughs> so I am full of surprises, folks. Lots awesome. of stories for the story yes. basket. <laughs> Stick tuned for future episodes where she goes into uh, other other great works. Great tangents. Uh, yes. All right, Jeff. You got any shout outs you want to uh, you want to put out there? Oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shout out to all my Hollywood Post 43 people, all my Michigan Wolverines out there. Yes, and uh, and I'm feeling for you, Mark, uh, with TB12 heading down south. And I know there he is, <laughs> but he's still always Mr. Michigan to me. So no matter where he goes, I will be a fan. Ashley. All right, so shout out. So it is Women's History Month, so I want to give a big shout out to all my lady vets out there. Um, thank you for your continued service, uh, and just continue to share and inspire others with your stories. Uh, big shout out to American Legion Post 180 out of Vienna, Virginia, where I claim my home. Additionally, um, not only for the Department of Virginia, but also the Ohio Department of American Legion. That's where my roots are from. So I want to give a big shout out to them for helping support and help me grow through the American Legion network and mentorship. Um, and then also just for everyone to be, be safe and be cognizant. And uh, use this time to be productive. Uh, there's a lot of free courses out there. There's a lot of uh, folks that are, are doing some really unique things on social media. So get involved um, and use this time to grow and be productive. Um, but those are those are my shout outs. Oh, and also to my husband who is being a rock star at his military school right now. Yeah, super excited. Come home and get that staff sergeant so you can be like your wife. Oh, mm. look at that. Look, throwing mm, down right. Get it. <laughs> Yeah, my shout-outs, uh, you know, Jeff kind of took it from me, but it's got to be to the people of Tampa Bay. Treat my boy right. He'll treat you right. <laughs> you got him for two years, then he comes back to New England on a one-day contract, and he will retire. He's already the greatest of all time, but we still have the greatest of all time coach and looking forward to playing against this guy next year in the Super Bowl. So, everybody, thank you for uh, – yeah, I know. Nobody's picking us to win more than 10, but I'm calling it right here. You heard it here first. I don't know what the day is, but right. Patriots, Tampa Bay, Super Bowl next year. March 25th, David. Yeah, there you go. It's happening. Throwing it's it down. into existence. <laughs> All right. Well, thank everyone. Thank you guys for joining me, and thank everyone for listening. And this has been our inaugural uh, podcast. Stay safe. Stay home. Wash your hands. Don't drink aquarium fluid. See ya. Good message. <laughs>